Hey, this is Michael Emery. Thanks for tuning into the Slow Baja. This podcast is powered by Tequila Fortaleza, handmade in small batches, and hands down, my favorite tequila. Hey, I want to tell you about your new must-have accessory for your next Baja trip. Benchmark Maps has released a beautiful, beautiful Baja California Road and Recreation Atlas. It's a 72-page large format book of detailed maps and recreation guides that makes the perfect planning tool for exploring Baja. Pick yours up at benchmarkmaps.com. Okay. Everything sound good? You want to close a sliding glass door there? We'll keep out in case any UPS trucks come or anything like that. And we are recording. Well, you know, uh, it's interesting to me that people have responded so um, well to locations that I've recorded and have just been awful. Yes. That Harker Surf Shop. I gotcha. We're we're gonna we're gonna touch on that. Miguel Angel de la Cueva. To, yes. Hello, happy birthday yes. to you, Miguel Angel de la Cueva. It's your birthday <laughs> today, right. Cinco de who's Mayo. Gonna, who's driving this thing? You are. Okay. Um, greetings, Slow Baja listeners. Do not touch that dial. My name is Christopher Kaiser. I am the editor of the Slow Baja podcast. And worry not, uh, the great Michael Emery is sitting here. Next to me, uh, putting down his Cafe Corretto with a little tequila fortaleza put in a mm. cappuccino. So nice to start the morning with that. <laughs> um, it's Believe it or not, it's been one year now since the Slow Baja podcast came under the steerage of Michael Emery. And I suggested to Michael that it might be interesting to do a little year in review and, and talk to him about his experiences recording all the fabulous guests in uh, wondrous locations. And... Uh, and share that with you, the listeners. So uh, good morning, Michael. How you doing? Hey, you know, it's funny for me to be on this side of the thing. Honestly, um, we had not set out to do this today. And so I'm very, very excited that uh, this is this opportunity has come my way and that you're going to be asking me a bunch of questions, just like I ask people. So let, <laughs> let her rip, baby. Thank you for the coffee. Thank you for the uh, spot of Fortaleza to get my throat in the uh, in the proper mode here. We're still It's still morning hours in California, so it's a nice way to start the day. Yes, this morning brought to you by Tequila Fortaleza, <laughs> Breakfast of Champions. Um, Añejo solves everything. Yes. Well, it gives you those dulcet tones that I mentioned earlier. But uh, let's get right to it. Um, this is a little bit of navel gazing, but again, for me, I, I find it so interesting because when you first mentioned the podcast, and in full disclosure, uh, you and I have been friends for a couple decades now. Our wives work together, and you mentioned this podcast. I'm like, oh gosh, another guy doing a podcast, and and really, what's going to be in slow baja? <laughs> another crummy podcast. <laughs> I'm already to fall asleep, um, and. That, despite the fact that I've always been charmed by Baja, but it's it's still sort of like a, a black box mystery to me. There might as well be here, there be dragons on it. And <laughs> uh, listening to your podcast, I, th- I think you encounter a lot of the same thing, right? Well, tell me about demystifying Baja for people. Well, Baja for me became, came easily because I went to college in San Diego. So I didn't put any thought to it. Um, it's like people who went to college in you know, upstate New York probably just went to Canada because it was cheaper and the beer was available to you when you were 18. That That's really why I went to Baja first. And I, you know, it is just that. We went, we drank, we were dumb. Um, I was enamored by th- the tacos and the drinking for sure, but I don't feel like I really um, got to know the place for a long, long time. I probably went there for 25 years without really getting to know the place. So for me, the 
you know, that getting to know Baja came along more so. And, you know, I was there on an extended trip in 2001 with my family, but then more so when I got uh, the 1971 FJ uh, 40 Land Cruiser in, in 2012 after I sold my old Datsun race car. And I, I needed to plow that money rapidly into something besides a backyard remodel and got on Craigslist and found an old Land Cruiser and, and bought it. And then really within a couple of months had it kitted out and was ready to go to Baja in it and, and had a great first trip, first real trip of traversing the entire peninsula on dirt. Like how many gallons of gas do I have with me? How many miles are we going? I only get 10 miles to the gallon, doing some math, looking at the Baja Almanac and saying, son of a gun, this is a long ways and there's nothing out here if we break down. So like, are we ready for this? So it was, it was the first time that I really like got off road and went, oh, this is why people come to Baja. That's amazing to me. I've got raised eyebrows, uh, even though I know this story and I know some of the ventures you took uh, before uh, on a Dakar motorcycle and such. And still, that impressed me that you would jump in, in that old cruiser. And it's a fine cruiser, don't get me wrong. And I've had lots of stupid adventures and cruisers in my past. But just to have the courage to, to go south of the border must have really been a siren song for you to uh, to want to venture forth in that. And who was your partner? You said we. Yeah, so you know, I've I, I've had a good buddy since college. I knew him growing up, but he was a few years older than me, so he was the cool old kid when I was, you know, he was driving a Camaro at sixteen when I was twelve and looking up to him like, ooh, that's my friend's older sister's boyfriend, Ted, and he's <laughs> cool. So then um, <clears throat> he took a more circuitous circuitous route to college, and so we ended up at college together at the same time, and he just had a great. Uh, sense of adventure for Baja and 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 was the first one to have a Land Cruiser. We used to drive his old, really um, run down old Land Cruiser to Baja. I was twenty something years old when he got it, and had lived a hard life. But it was just such a great um, primitive vehicle that whenever we were in that thing, it's like you're uh, you transported back in time. So it was like a double whammy. You know, Baja, I, I believe, transports you back in time, and then to drive such a simple, maybe primitive vehicles and old land cruiser that's open to the elements no doors all that stuff it just it it just um you have to feel every mile so my buddy ted donovan and i have since 2000 well since 1984 when we took our first trip together and then multiple trips through baja uh, as college kids and after um and then really we sort of cemented a deep friendship and love for for Mexico in 2006 when we raced the La Carrera Panamericana together which is a 2000 mile long high speed vintage car race and we had the least amount of horsepower and the least amount of experience and we finished dead last but we had the time of our lives and that's that's when on one horrible hard day when our water pump dumped and you know we were waiting for a tow I said to Ted if we ever figure this thing out if we ever figure this race out we need to get into a class 11 beetle and do the Baja 1000 how many people have watched on uh the Baja 1000 what's dust to glory, dust to glory and thought, exactly class 11 man that's where I- <laughs> hey if anybody out there has a class 11 I'm gonna bring a sponsor and I'm ready to go Baja 1000 Nora 1000 I want to get in George Plimpton style get in the navigator seat and let's go class 11s if you won't kill me 
let's do it. And if there's two of you and you have a class 11, <laughs> I want to go do it uh, Hunter S. Thompson style. Uh, you can be the attorney. I'll be Hunter S. or vice versa. Uh, either way, I, I would love to go. I've, <laughs> my first four vehicles were air-cooled Volkswagens. There you uh, go. doesn't mean to say that I'm handy with them. I just know how to replace an accelerator cable. So I Should think um, already I was off on a tangent not answering the question that you asked me. If I can even remember about the demystifying uh, Baja for people, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I'm sure you still come up against it. Uh, and 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 for me, you know, living here in Northern California, which is essentially Northern Baja, which I know is you know uh, antithetical Baja being lower and Northern, but um, it's it's kind of embarrassing to me that I don't know Baja better. That you know, it's it's like not knowing Oregon or something like that. It's it really should be something that we have a closer connection with, and yet it it really is. Here there be dragons, you know, getting yeah. across the border. It sounds intimidating and scary, and and I hear you and your guests repeatedly saying, "It's the friendliest people you'll ever meet." I've had more gracious help, meals, uh, electricity, uh, roadside mechanics, stuff like that. Yeah, no, it really is that. And it, I mean, there's, there are some barriers. You do have to cross a border, international border, which normally it's, you know, you drive up to the border, there's a green light, you keep on driving. And nowadays you stop, I don't know, as soon as you can find a parking spot, a hundred yards past the border someplace and walk back and get your FMM, which is a document that you're supposed to have, especially if you're driving, um, a vehicle and you have, um, Baja bound insurance, your Baja bound insurance or other insurance is only valid, valid if you have an FMM. So you're going to want to stop and get that. But once you've done that, and some people are savvy enough to do it online, slow Baja is very analog. So I do it in person, hand out a few stickers, say hello to people. And once you get that sticker, uh, once you get that um, document, you are free to travel uh, in country legally for up to six months. So, you know, it's after that, it's just where where are you going next? So, I mean, Tecate, we're we're starting at uh, Tacos La La Huerita for three or four tacos, and then it's on to the Valle and Ensenada, or you know, um, down Rumoroso and heading over to San Felipe, or you know, it's it's um, it's a lot easier than you think, and it's it isn't really that challenging with a good map or downloading um, something a Google Map to your phone or uh, people seem to use GPS now. I see these screens. I don't know what they are. I, I still use my old Baja Almanac, and I'm really looking forward to getting that first benchmark um, r- recreation atlas for uh, Baja that's coming out here. I haven't seen it yet, but I've seen it uh, on the internet, and it looks like it's really, really well done. So I'm looking forward to having that in my hand. But I love looking at a map, seeing the squiggly line, and saying, let's try that road. That's a uh, it, it, true romance of travel, uh, along with the open air vehicle and, and paper maps and and it's a different skill uh dealing with maps but one that uh, i think is especially important when you're out there in long periods of time imagine you don't have a phone signal at all or uh you know it can be kind of sketchy so we could talk about the practicalities and how to guides are driving down to baja all day long maybe we put a pin in that and we come back for another episode and and I can I can ask you before I drive my, my how to a slow Baja <laughs> and how not to how to Baja you have a lot of those um, the cast of characters um, I will freely admit again this is a lot of confessional for me but as the editor you know I'm obliged to listen to these hour long podcasts all the way through several times and 
a lot of the characters you've described to me are like, oh my gosh, really? Some old lady who does burrow packing? Like, how interesting <laughs> can it be? Uh, I was wrapped. Pretty much life or death. Yeah. Pretty, pretty yeah. amazing. Uh, the most amazing characters and hardcore, rugged individuals you've met down there. Tell me about uh, some of the more enlightening experiences you've had with your guests. So going back to getting this thing going, um, I was searching for... Um, I hadn't really listened to podcasts. I'm devoted a listener of radio and um, hadn't really found found my way with podcasts yet. And once I got on iTunes and went, oh, wow, there's like a million, 888,000, I guess, I, I think when I started. Um, and I, I thought, huh, I wonder if there's anything on Baja. So I just did a Baja search, found um, Jim Riley's show, uh, tuned into a couple episodes. Huh, that's cool. Pretty, pretty off-road centric. Um, enjoyed it. And started thinking like people who I wanted to hear from and started like mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, I'd love to get Sarah Beck just talking about her, her, I don't know, 200, 300, 500 Baja trips that she's taken. Pete Springer, who, who I befriended <laughs> from my first um, Baja XL trip down there, just reached out to him. You know, he, uh, he was the navigator and the builder of the first FJ 40 that uh, won the Baja 1000. I just reached out to him on the internet and, just ask like what should i do what shouldn't i do and you yeah. recorded with pete in the cab of his pickup truck right? <laughs> the cab, the cab of my, we, we met at a bar near his house and it was really noisy and um so we we went to the liquor store next door and got a couple of cans and paper bags and actually sat in my uh forerunner i think pete sat in the back seat because it was early in covid we really didn't know what the whole covid deal was so we we got in a closed <laughs> car I got in a closed car with the windows up with a 79-year-old guy drinking drinking uh, tall boys out of paper cans. This is completely paper destroying bags. people's image yeah, of, sorry. of the we just needed the quiet. headquarters yeah. and sound studios. We just needed some quiet. But he, he, you know, my background is a photographer, and I like to see see people. I like them in front of me. So the, the approach that I took to this podcast was as a photographer that I wanted to be where the guests were talking to them, looking into their eyes, you know, and Pete was just such a great, Sarah was my first guest, but Pete was just such a great spirit. Uh, he was the first, first podcast that I posted and I posted it on Jim Riley's show. I, uh, I guest, uh, guest hosted four shows for Jim and it was just such a, a wonderful experience that it made me say, you know, I really want to do this. I really want to do this myself. And, um, so, you know, without any, with just blind in- ignorance, I launched and um, started contacting people and saying, hey, I'd like to sit down with you and talk to you about Baja and um, only got big leagued once. So that was great. That that person will always remain, uh, well, maybe big, maybe twice. We're not going to go into it, but most people uh, were very generous with their time and um, getting to sit down with me safely with microphones at distance during covid pandemic was uh, i think a tall order mm. so um did a few by zoom but it was really great again to sit down with people and uh hear about their firsthand experiences and bring them to you know the, you know the slow baja community well you say you got big leagued a couple times but yet you have had some genuine legends uh on on the show one of them i think i suggested and you're like oh i didn't think about that speaking of uh, dust to glory or uh, on any given Sunday. Yeah. Uh, Malcolm Smith, you know, so th- this, there, there are so few people who have achieved a level of fame that, you know, they're one word names, you know, I don't know if anybody, 
you know, Pele or Michael or Madonna or whatever, but Malcolm means a lot to a lot of people. And, you know, reached out to his son, Alexander, who was very generous and, you know, it was 15, 20 uh, messages back and forth by the time we finally got to, uh, to um, our meeting. But Malcolm couldn't have been better. He met me at his house in Riverside. I sat down with him in his living room. We had long mic cords and you know, he's a guy who has done an awful lot and um, has achieved an, an immense amount of success in his field. And he just he just couldn't have been nicer to a, you know, a nobody like me. So it was, it was very gratifying. It was very satisfying for me to edit it. Uh, I couldn't finish the edit fast enough to turn on on any given Sunday and watch his... I mean, he's a virtuoso on a motorcycle. Yeah, and, you know, he, he uses a walker now. He's, he's got some... Um, some health issues and uh he he has a not a steep steep driveway but an uphill driveway and he wanted to take me out back and show me a couple of land rovers that were hanging around in his backyard he kicked my ass going up that driveway i mean he's an <laughs> 80 year old dude on a you know with a walker and he's like whoa i mean i live in san francisco and walk hills every day and that guy he still moves pretty well yeah and he's he's got a real glint in his eye and that's to me that's why i don't want to do these things on zoom if i can avoid it you know, like if I can see that the person uh, to to get the essence of somebody in person, I think is really amazing. And, you know, again, Malcolm's spirit, that glint in his eye his you know, he even at his advanced age in in the situation he's in, you can see if you've watched on any on any Sunday, you can see that guy right there in front of you. So that's why I want to do this. Yeah. Well, also kudos to you for not dismissing him at his, you know, advanced age and uh, his difficulties. And, and thank you for capturing him because that was for me uh, as a listener. Uh, that was that was one of the, the key moments of this past year. Um, moving on to some of the others. Uh, some of the I just want to interrupt you, though. Let me let me just dive right in. But, you know, Malcolm is a virtuoso. But, you know, you kind of touched on it earlier. Eve Ewing. You know, yeah. I mean, she, what a what an amazing woman! Crazy. I, I shouldn't have I'm said use old the word, lady. I'm going to use the word um, lovingly here. What a nut! She's just a nut, <laughs> just a nut. I mean, like you know, she was flying around Baja with her dad in the 40s and 50s, counting whales from Can the you air. Imagine you know, just, what a romantic story that is. Like when when she talked about flying in the small craft with her father, doing that, like. Well, yeah, she's an adventurous person. I mean, she was, she grew up with it. What to to have a frontier land like that, just on the other side of the border, doing such adventurous things, landing on small strips like that. Yeah, and with luminaries in you know their fields, like her dad and and the rest of the the folks at Scripps. You know, they were, yeah. they were amazing folks doing amazing things, flying into Bahia. I really need to land on a couple of guests who can talk about what it was like to fly into Baja in the 50s or the 60s or the 70s, because I think that's a lot of what Baja travel was in those days. Adventurous folks, doctors, flew down in their little planes, fished like maniacs, drank like maniacs, flew home. So that that's a story for the future that I need to find. And certainly Francisco Munoz, when Pete Springer was telling me about, you know, Munoz dropping a plane in on a on a road and they've got to tip the plane to get through a little <laughs> cut and, you know, then push it off the road out of gas. I just need some Francisco Munoz stories of Baja airlines. Yeah. And, and, and it's funny, it, it is definitely a bygone era and yet people are still making their own adventures down there. Um, you had a husband, wife crew who are, 
uh, Instagram influencers. They do a lot of surfing and stuff like that. I mean, people people are packing up their families and going down and still having real life unbound adventures uh, right next door. And uh, yeah, and and it is um, it is right next door, and there's a pretty wide variety of of vacations like what's your thing are you there for the diving are you there for the surfing are you there for the uh overlanding are you there for the flora and the fauna and the i mean you can get away from nature i mean you can get away from population two minutes off of the main main road it's desolation on your doorstep as i like to say Mm. so pick your pick your your uh, fancy and it's it's there for you yeah and if adventure is not your fancy and you just want to get away to a nice beach they have that in spades as well as great places to dine uh you've you've had a number of uh interviews with uh, chefs yeah, and Javier Placencio is a, was a terrific one to see a guy who's that sorry for interrupting here Christopher to see a guy who's that comfortable in his skin a dude who's just figured it out he's uh He's doing his thing his way, has achieved some success with it, obviously, but couldn't have been nicer again to to have a, you know, a little podcast like me set up at his Finca Altazano. You know, he was he was, uh, he was very gracious. And I find that that's really the defining character of people who love Baja, for sure, and the people of Baja, that the graciousness is, is something that um, I, I keep coming back to. Yeah, the culture of La Familia is, is very strong across uh, the country down there, but it's not exclusive to the family. It doesn't take much to to be welcomed into the embrace of these families by, by very caring and giving people who are proud, rightfully so, of what they've created and who they are and, uh, and always very eager to share. And, and it shows through with, with uh, the, the people you've spoken with and, and how they've embraced you and, and shared. It's, it's, it, thank you for, for sharing that with us. Um, Tell me about why you insist on recording in what sounds like loading docks and I'm going to say jetway landing strips. Um, what's what's a typical setup like for you when you arrive in town and say, uh, oh, I've got say, this interview. Where could I set up my microphones? Um, let's just go back to Miguel Angel de la Cueva from the opening of the show. It's his birthday today. We're recording on Cinco de Mayo here at, at your home studio in, in beautiful, sunny San Rafael, California, Christopher. And, you know, I had been um, messaging Miguel back and forth. I was driving down the, the length of the peninsula and back up on the Baja XL in January and February of 2021. And I really wanted to meet Miguel because I'm a photographer, but he's an extraordinary you know, he's an Ansel Adams uh, quality photographer working from La Paz, and he he really does stunning work. So he agreed to meet me. I don't know. We probably rolled into town at 8 o'clock at night and needed food. And so he said, okay, come and meet me at this place. Open air, right on the street, on the Malacone. And I'm like, there's no way we're going to start recording at 10 o'clock at night. So we just popped out the gear. I mean, the political announcement cars are going by on the street you know you hear the clanking of the glass you can hear us yeah. drinking people you know walking up taking orders of people talking and i just said you know what talking to the microphone christopher will sort it out i'm doing like these prayers you know like when people <laughs> you know mexico is such a religious country when you see people go by the the cathedrals they all cross themselves and kiss their 
their uh, thumbs and it's just like I'm just doing that little motion right there cross cross kiss kiss Christopher can sort this out it'll it'll just sound like you're sitting at the table with us hopefully hopefully I won't muff this whole thing because that's you know I'm, I'm a technophobe which yeah. is why I drive a 50 year old analog machine without any screens at all I, I just anything technologically which reminds with, me we should shovel some more coal into this recording machine of ours we're gone so yeah, exactly. Um, so it, yeah, so I've recorded there uh, some other places that have been um, difficult. I'm sure you know. Uh, hopefully, people feel like um, they're sitting right there with me. That's that's the point. This is an intimate medium, and I want people who are interested in this subject and in my show to feel like they they know me and they're sitting there with me having a tequila or you know having a beer and listening to the story, just like you know, just like I am. I'm doing this for me more than anything, guys. I hate to say it, folks. It's it's I'm feeding my own addiction here. <laughs> well, um, it it definitely shows through, and I do appreciate the sense of place as a listener. It's the technician me who's trying to make your podcast sound <laughs> like it is produced in a big studio yeah. and and not uh, recorded in the cab of your pickup truck while drinking cans of beer out of paper sacks. But uh, truthfully, I, I really do appreciate the sense of place. And Have mics so. will travel, usually with a bottle of tequila these yeah. days. So thank yeah, you, no, Guillermo Salsa at Fortaleza. Appreciate <laughs> the help. It, no, it really shines through, and, and it, it does make it uh, more interesting for all of us. All right, enough um, with the flattery. Let's get on to the meat of this podcast, Christopher. Which is what? <laughs> I don't oh, know. <laughs> I thought we were in the meat. Um, talking about the... Um, you're there for you're really recording this because it's your sense of adventure and everything. You just finished uh, the the Baja 1000, Baja XL XL. Sorry, right. not to be conflated with uh, the. I, I just super, had to back out of the, the trophy trucks. Yeah, I just that. had to back out of the Nora 1000, which was a, a goal of mine. But I'm counting down to the Nora 500 in October, yeah. so I'm I'm looking forward to that. But yeah. but you did the Baja XL, and you encountered a lot of adventures on the way, which you touched on on the. Um, a podcast that we we released just two three weeks ago, and uh, you Adventures arrived. Adventures drunk podcasting. Exactly. Oh my gosh, how much had you guys had? I mean, clearly your brains were rattled and addled from the the road. But you... I think Dom still could have flown a seven forty seven or whatever he flies commercially. He he definitely was still. In, I mean, even though he's having a wine glass full of uh, gin and tonic, perfect perfectly proportioned as he I said. Cut that part out, actually. <laughs> No, so it is. It, it it must be really entertaining. Um, I I come from a production background. I make documentaries. I'm a photographer as well, and I know how difficult it is sometimes when you're you're all sitting down at the end of the day, and the last thing you want to do is pull out a device to start recording, and yet you manage to do it somehow. What is again? that drive to speak to these inter inter interesting people? Is it strictly because you've got to get out a podcast every week or is it because you're so enamored and, and excited about the people you're sitting with? Well, the, the Baja XL was a sort of life-changing event. It's an it's event every two years. The organizer does the Budapest Abamico rally, which is a crazy adventure rally from Hungary to West Africa. So let's, let's just start there. And I think the the point is to do it in a junky car as well, or at least it started out that way. So very intrepid travelers. And he became enamored with Baja and started this rally called the, the Baja XL. And it's uh, 3,000 miles more or less in 10 days, mostly on dirt. And it's, um, it's not for everybody. It's a skeleton of um, instructions and you, f you figure it out on your own. And there's a competition category for people who want to, you know, um, 
do it as fast as possible. And there's a touring category for people like me who are just glad to be there and, and don't need to, um, don't need to rush through. But, uh, I did in 2019 and it was just, I hate to use the phrase life changing, but that does percolate up. You know, I had a vision, um, previously to previous to the start of the race to have slow Baja painted on my soft doors of the Land Cruiser just to kind of set the stage that I'm going to be with some real off-road racers and some some folks who like to go fast in the dirt. And so I just wanted to sort of establish my expectations and and let them know that I'm going to be slow. And if they're if they're uh, if we're crossing paths, there's probably going to be a tequila Fortaleza in it for them. Um, so you know, there's there's reasons to uh, to wait around for slow Baja to come by. But that 3,000 miles of dirt, seeing Baja that way was really eye-opening for me. And I couldn't wait to uh, do the 2020, uh, 2021 event, January, February of 2021, 10 days. And of course, COVID came on. So as events were getting canceled left and right all over the world, um, the organizer figured out a way to do this event safely, thoughtfully, and um, did it. And I was delighted to have the opportunity and the excuse to go, but uh, the the event was not without some drama. And uh, we heard from our friends in the in the off road racing community that the re- the event was illegal and there was going to be police intervention and you know government intervention and all that. And we just figured, you know what? How about if we just don't put the stickers, the event stickers, on our truck? And our vehicle looks so different than any you know normal um, event proper vehicle, a Raptor or a, you know, a Toyota Tacoma with 35s and rooftop tent and jerry cans all over. I mean, we're just totally different. We look different. We are different. We look like two grizzled old gringos looking for the next, uh, um, fishing, camping, cold beer. So we figured bringing up the rear in a vehicle like ours, we would be pretty much, um, left alone, which we were, but you know, it was unnerving being in, um, Bahia de Los Angeles having dinner after a very long day on the road and a police officer walked right into the restaurant right up to our table you know confronted us about this rally that we were running which we played dumb obviously we weren't running the rally but we were in the rally um and you know he he um wanted us to step outside which we wouldn't do we stayed right in the restaurant and it was very um awkward would be one way of putting it unnerving and then you know when the police officer left and I looked around the the restaurant there were probably six tables occupied in the restaurant and I saw my podcast guest for the next morning. I'm like, oh, there's Roger Mears sitting there, you know. And I, I didn't know Roger. I'd been messaging his wife for a month or so about, hey, I'm coming down on this date. Is there any chance I could swing by the house and and uh, interview you about your life in in Baja? But you know, we're not friends. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, you know, Joe Rogan rolling into town, you know, making him famous. It's just little old me and slow Baja, and here I am getting the police shaking me down at the table next to. Uh, Roger and his wife. So it was just a, an awkward way, you know, to walk over and then say, Hey, hi, I'm going to be over at your house tomorrow at nine. Okay. So yeah, some of the adventures of podcasting, but, um, that the Baja XL for anybody who has uh, a vehicle, we, you know, it's a, it's kind of rooftop tent crowd. People camp, there's a big camp every night and it was a lot of fun. Um, Ted and I chose to, if we can find hotel rooms in a, in a shower, we, we have enough exposure driving in a completely open primitive vehicle that after you know 10 12 sometimes 16 hours in the in the vehicle a day it's nice to get off the road and um i'm not ashamed to say i I don't mind having a bed 
you know, we've got camp gear, so we do camp when necessary. But if there's a uh, a bed to be had, I'll take it. Mm. And I, I just want to, before we get too far past this, I just want to point out that the spirit of the Baja XL is you're not going out there hooning, running down uh, goat herds and and such. You you are out there to celebrate a being on the road on Baja. Is that fair to say? It's not like a complete lawless cannonball run. No, down, no, no, not yeah. at all. Not at all. It's uh, it's all um, public thoroughways. So you're on you're on the paved uh, highway some portions, and then you're just on a lot of public dirt roads. So you're not hooning across people's uh, people's um, private private yeah. uh, property, which you know does happen in in other races where the organizers do need to get permission of those uh, landowners and whatnot. But no, the the Baja XLs all all run on public public runs. Yeah, public you live roads. on the edge, but you're not a total rebel. I, you know, I live on the edge and just that I'm out in a bunch of dirt roads with nobody else on them anymore. So, you know, that's that's as edgy as I get. All right. With that disclaimer, let's uh, let's pay for your tacos and the gas in that old Land Cruiser and, and listen to some sponsors. You know, we can't wait to drive our old Land Cruiser down to Baja. And when we go, we go with Baja Bound Insurance. Their website's fast and easy to use. Baja Bound Insurance, serving Mexico travelers since 1994. Let's talk some more about the guests. What's what's the most sage or poetic thing you, you heard from one of your guests over the last couple of years? I, I'm sure there's been a lot, or the last year, I'm sure there's been a lot of stuff and it might be a little bit of a blur, but what 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 really stuck with you about uh, what people had to say about Baja? Wow, I'm stumped. You know, I am stumped, Christopher. I know we've been talking about motorsport, motorsport, motorsport. Yeah, you know, and that's that is a um, a concern of mine because I do enjoy the off roading, the overland, the the motorsports, but I really do want to bring all the other reasons that people um, go to Baja. Okay, well, let's talk about the borough uh, uh, adventures. Uh, what do you call it? Um, so we've got Trudy Angel saddling south, and we've got uh, Edie Littlefield Sunbee who walked uh, the El Camino Real, and then you have Eve Ewing, who, who, <laughs> you know, her dad said, "Hey, why don't you go to, uh, you know, why don't I fly you into Bahia de Los Angeles, and uh, you can join this expedition because everybody just left this expedition, and they need, <laughs> they need horseshoes, powdered eggs, and a bunch of other stuff that I'm flying down to them, and why don't I give you my daughter too." <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Um, so has that inspired you to do anything uh, uh, in the future? Yeah, for sure. So that's, you know, Paul Ganster, again, he was down there with Harry Crosby and, um, and you know, these, these long, slow pack trips that must just be excruciating some days seem so romantic when you're talking about them. But the remote ranch life, I think, is not long lived. And I think that's something that if I can get up there on a burrow with either Trudy's assistance at Saddling South or through another method, I'm that's I'm going to slow my roll even more than the old Land Cruiser and do that. Yeah, you talk about what a, a life-changing thing it was to do your first Baja road trip. And I, can, I can't even imagine uh, that that trip with the pack mule, it must almost be monastic, um, you know, uh, meditative to be out there in the heat and the wide open distances and everything is reduced to a very, very simple life of one foot in front of the other, 
where's my water going to be? Where am I going to set camp for the night? And I, I love the idea of it. I don't have the courage yet to, to do it. Perhaps. <laughs> yeah. We'll you up. said monastic. I thought masochistic. So yeah, that's uh, it's an M word somewhere, but a bottle of Fortaleza will help you get through the, uh, <laughs> Fortaleza's get their miles worth it. for sure. Always, you know, with product that good, they don't need to pay more for, to have me promote it. I do want to come back to Pete Springer. It's something he said that I, I do like, um, you know, luck beats good in Baja a lot. Luck beats good. I don't know if that'll be on a t-shirt one day, but, um, the, I think that, uh, you do have to be lucky sometimes when you do dumb stuff down there. Uh, that can involve alcohol or you know remote locations and breaking down. But even down when you're not doing dumb things, you get a lucky bounce, you know, here and there, and that puts you in the right place at the at the fortunate time. Serendipity is uh, beats planning for me. Yeah. You know, that's a that's a that's a good one. You you plan on uh, getting back in the truck cab with Pete Springer and recording another one, don't you? You know, Pete has so many great stories that it it's some it's something that. Um, I feel anxiety, you know, he's rolling up on 80 years old. I feel anxiety that somebody needs to pull these stories out of folks. The e-viewing must have a hundred more amazing stories. Um, Pete Springer just going down there when it was just, you know, a simple thing and it was cheap and you did it and you didn't think a lot about it. And then 50 or 60 years later, people look back and say, oh, you did that? That's crazy. That's crazy, mister. You didn't have GPS. You didn't have a sat phone. You didn't have a, you know, uh, fly you out if you get in trouble uh, insurance policy. You just went down there and did it. You went on a motorcycle with no headlight and you rode in the night until you crashed. And then you slept right where you crashed and got up in the morning and figured it out. Yeah. So there's just, there's a different level of, of adventure that I think it's important to record that while it's still around, if possible, from the Malcolm Smiths to the unknowns like the Pete Springers. Yeah. And we should all let that inform us in our own travels and our own fears that, you know, we, we have so many safety nets right now, uh, in our pockets, uh, in the sky, uh, at home that they're almost constricting that we think that we can't do anything without all these safety devices around us, but really you can. And, you know, don't take your advice from a couple, you know, nerds like us uh, recording in a studio, but you can go out there on adventure and you're going to be okay. You're going to find somebody. You, we've all, to to uh, quote Blanche Dubois, uh, benefited from the kindness of strangers. And that's where the adventure usually begins. And and uh, don't be afraid of embracing that uncertainty and, and get out there and, and start the adventure like, you, like you've done again. Yeah, I, I think that might be the recurring theme if there is one, um, thoughtfully or unthoughtfully in my shows that, um, that it always comes back to the, the kindness of the stranger, the kindness of the people of Baja. Um, it, it is a place that 99 times out of a hundred, you're going to have a magnificent trip and good things are going to happen. You're going to get great food and good adventures and, and still, still it's a place where you can get a capital A adventure that you're not you know, it's, I, I find that it's just harder to get a, a real adventure in life these days. And I think Baja, it's still pretty easy to get a capital A adventure. You can be off the road, um, out in the middle of nowhere. You can be, you know, on the road. And it's that's a very adventurous road. The, the new Highway 5 is lovely, but the old Highway 1 is a 
It's a maximum concentration road in my old vehicle for sure, but in any vehicle, the potholes and the, you know, there's no shoulders and the way the road's crowned and there's a lot of big rig traffic and livestock and jackrabbits running across. And so there's, it's a capital A adventure to go down there and does make you feel, uh, I think, uh, at the end of it all, a lot more, uh, alive. So, um, you know, I, I'm, Obviously, I'm an evangelist, and I strongly recommend it, but I have a new guest coming up who just took an RV trip down with her family from Buffalo, New York, and had the time of her life after, you know, a lot of people had told her, why would you ever go to Mexico? It's so dangerous, and this and that, and she got on some uh, um, forums and found other people saying other things, Canadians saying other things, particularly she took their advice, and um, a three-week RV trip uh through the states and a month of which was in in mexico was absolutely life-changing for her and her kids and her husband and her parents came along and now they're shopping property in uh in baja for retirement so it's it's that kind of a place i don't know if i want to go on or not <laughs> we're gonna leave it right there <laughs> it sounds like a closer right there um but uh since i keep needling you and asking for um any sage advice that's been passed along by any of your guests You've spent a lot of time down there yourself. You've lived south of the border with your family. Leave us with uh, with one little piece that you would say. Uh, I mean, you've been giving it throughout this this half hour we've, we've been doing. But if, if if I'm thinking of going down there, what do you say to me? Well, so that's that's the thing. You know, um, it used to be we would try to get through Tijuana as rapidly as possible on a drive. You know, as soon as you're on the south side of Tijuana, you can stop at some you know. Um, Deposito and buy that case of beer and throw it on ice in your in your cooler and feel like oh, okay the Baja trip has started. Tijuana I think is super exciting to me now. The food's great, lots of interesting stuff happening. Obviously the Valle de Guadalupe has what is it 100 and is it 160 wineries and 120 small inns or 120 wineries and 160 small inns. I mean it's it's astonishing they still have dirt roads. Um, then you get to Ensenada and Ensenada is like, you know it's almost like a Italian village in that they've got the sea there, they've got the amazing seafood, the amazing um, climate around with the grapes and the fresh vegetables and chefs doing amazing things. And then, you know, the cheese uh, caves just south of of, uh, Ensenada. And then, you know, Bahia de Los Angeles, uh, I haven't even scratched the surface there. I was there for, you know, a couple of days. It looks really dry and dusty and and sort of... um, slow and that makes me think like okay i just need to get out with carol mirrors and fish for tacos on her kayak with her you know um so there's so much for me that's still inspiring we haven't even you know gone more than a day's drive into the country so san catine's got great seafood and and shellfish and things are happening then you get south and you know the whale watching trip that i took in san ignacio with sherry bondi was just you know it's it's hard to say life-changing too many times in this, but it's one of those things like, where the hell in the world does do whales just swim up to your your dinghy, say hello, give me a pat, hey, how are you? They're like they're like puppy dogs, or like, you know, uh, it was it was just astonishing. Like here are these massive wild creatures, and in one place in the world, they swim right up to your boat and you can touch them. Just bizarre, but amazing and and powerful. And so, you know, keep on going south. I love Loretto. It's a beautiful town. Um, stumbled into a baseball game up at San Javier at the at the um, 
<clears throat> at the cathedral up there at the mission. Um, and you know, the two baseball teams were having lunch. They're having a goat roast in between. And you know, my son's a professional baseball player. Now he had his professional debut last night. So I've been watching kids baseball for 18 years. I've never seen two teams sharing a meal before the game together. And so that's, I think Mexico to a T that these adversaries, you know, are going to go out there and play against each other and give it their all. But before the game, they're sitting down and having a goat roast and it was just, and, and, you know, we were just, you know, tourists in the town. So they welcomed us in to come in and have, you know, have, there was plenty to go around. So grab a tortilla gringo and, and help yourself. And it was really, that's, that's the spirit of Baja that, um, I miss. And I think if there's a, you know, a theme to my life and my show and being down there, it's, you don't need to plan everything. You don't need to have an itinerary. You need to have um, some pesos or some cash to buy gas because you don't, you can't pay for gas with credit cards everywhere in Mexico now. Um, usually just in the northern and the southern ends, but in between you're going to pay in cash. And you need a map. I like uh, Baja Almanac, and I'm looking forward to that uh, benchmark new Baja Road and Recreation Atlas. And then you just need to go and have an open mind and an open spirit and see where the road leads you and what, you know, say yes to things. Why are we still sitting here? <laughs> I know you got the great motorcycle right there. Let's go. Let's go. Well, Michael, uh, thanks again for bringing me on as editor of uh, the Slow Baja podcast. Uh, it's it's always a pleasure. You always surprise me with the recordings you bring back from your adventures, um, even when they're just down the road. And uh, and let's let's uh, hope for another exciting year with more safe travels. Well, I can't wait to take you with me and uh, have your have. Uh, Baja seen through your eyes. That'll Oof. be a lot of fun. My, fl- my face is going to split in half from my big stupid smile right now. Well, from slow Baja, we're going to leave it right there. Thanks, Christopher. Thanks, Michael. Slow Baja's wardrobe is provided by Taylor Stitch. Responsibly built for the long haul, Taylor Stitch makes clothes that wear in, not out. Wherever your adventure takes you, Taylor Stitch has you covered. Check them out at taylorstitch.com. Hey, you guys know what to do. Please help us by subscribing, sharing, rating, all that stuff. And if you missed anything, you can find the links in the show notes at slowbaha.com. I'll be back before you know it. And if you want to receive notices on new episodes, please follow Slow Baja on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for you old folks.